Hey, it's NPR's Book of the Day. I'm Andrew Limbaugh. Real quick, uh, NPR is doing its annual survey to better understand how you, our listeners, spend time with podcasts. It would be a huge favor if you could take a sec and fill it out. It's quick and easy and anonymous and helps support the pods here at NPR. It's at npr.org slash podcast survey. All one word. That's npr.org slash podcast survey. Thanks. So the writer Dan Sean wrote this bloody, violent, funny, and sort of dystopian thriller called Sleepwalk. It was one of those situations where he wanted to write about America today, as it is. And the only way in he could figure to do it was to create a slightly different America one in the not-too-far-off future. But like the best dystopian thrillers, it isn't bleak. There's some real heart at the end of the rainbow here. And in this interview with NPR's Scott Simon, Sean talks about how he was partially inspired by the time he, as an adoptee, reached out to his own biological father, just as he was having his own kids. Will Bear lives off the grid. He's got so many aliases he can forget them. He's got a bucket full of burner phones and tosses them out the window of his van when they're done. He's never worked a nine-to-five, paid taxes, or been in a real human relationship, save for, with his dog Flip, a 60-pound pit bull with PTSD. Will Bear microdoses LSD and Tito's vodka the way some people suck down oat milk lattes. He's 50 years old and makes his way through life locating people who owe shadowy company or group or whatever called value standard enterprises is and sometimes well they don't quite make it there and one day one of his aliases gets a call from a woman who says i think you might be my biological father will bear is at the center of dan sean's new book sleepwalk and dan sean the author of the previous bestseller will joins us from cleveland thanks so much for being with us Thank you, Scott. Boy, Wilbur's story can be dark, and it seems to be set in a dark time and place that might be just ahead of us. Well, I was having a kind of a struggle as I was working on this book. It was in the you know uh, early days of the Trump administration, and I was trying to figure out how to write about the current time, and it seemed to me that the only way to do it was to create a kind of alternate version of America, mm-hmm. because there was just no way to know what was going to happen next. It seemed like everything was changing so fast. And so I guess this is a novel that happens a little bit in the future, maybe uh, one more pandemic away, maybe one more yeah. natural disaster away, maybe one more constitutional crisis away. Um, not that far. Wow. And and I was, uh, again, especially struck by a sentence early on. <laughs> no doubt in the great scheme of things, we are all of us the offspring of murderers. If we weren't, we probably wouldn't be here. Oh, my word, that cuts deep. <laughs> <laughs> well, Will has a I think a kind of cynical view of humanity, although that I think yeah. part of the novel is is that that cynical view starts to change once he meets this young woman. Well, and tell us about that. He gets a call from a young woman uh, who believes she might be his daughter, but not that she she is not the fruit of any romance uh, romance in his past. No, uh, she's the product of a sperm donation that he made when he was young, somewhat ill-advisedly, uh, given his job. And uh, 
as things go on, there's a there's a bit of a question for Will and for his employers about whether she's a real person, whether she's uh, someone who's scamming him. And a lot of the drama in the in the story has to do with Will trying to decide, should I meet my daughter or should I kill her? <laughs> well, what parent hasn't been faced with that? Um, I know. No, no, no. I, I don't mean that in any real way. You know, I wrote down in my notes uh, a prompt to ask you what put the story in your mind. But the more we talk about it, the more I realize everything put the story in your mind, didn't it? Yeah. Well, that's the way it is with novels. They're like a black hole and everything on the news, everything you see on TV gets sucked in until there's, you know, there's only the novel. I mean, the other thing that really did inspire me was uh, when 20 years ago, I, I met my own biological father for the first time. Uh, I was I was 30 when I met him yeah. as an adoptee. And he's kind of a character in his own right. And I think the voice of Will has a little bit at least to do with my meaning of uh, my biological father. Well, God bless. Can you tell us about that? Uh, yeah, this was uh, when I was uh, 30. I had been sort of researching. I just had kids and really wanted to know uh, just medical information because, you know, it's, it's it's hard going into the doctor and telling them that your child, you don't know any of your yeah. background information. As it turned out, my bio dad really wanted to meet me. And we had a friendship uh, that lasted until his recent death. And uh, so it was about the best kind of outcome that you could hope for. Yeah. You're in Cleveland now, but you grew up, I'm, I gather, in a town of just 20 people. In Nebraska, yeah. But it's outside of Sydney. It's one of those grain elevator towns that are slowly returning to the dust. I was one of the only kids for miles, so I learned very early on to make my own entertainment. And I think that may be why I became a writer. Wow. Yeah. Well, I used well, to walk around with a tape recorder telling myself stories. You know, I, I think of Hemingway growing up in, in Chicago or Philip Roth in Newark, uh, Tony Morrison in Metro Cleveland. And I understand. Yeah, and Lorraine. And I understand how the bustle of cities can help spark the imagination of a, of a writer. But in, in a town of 20, you had to do everything, I guess. Yeah, I played all the characters and, you know, I threw myself a ball and then caught it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah. I guess um, I deserved that. But yeah, but it, it, it taught you to entertain yourself, you think? Indeed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I, I think it, it really helped my imagination. It's a stark landscape out there. And it, I mean, there's a kind of beauty to it, but it's also very lonely. And I think in some ways that inspires some of the moods that I get into with my novel. I mean, this is a novel that takes place on the road. It's on the interstates of America. Uh, I-80 ran right near where I was growing up. And I remember watching the lights of the semi-trucks passing in the distance and just sort of dreaming about where they were going. Mm. Boy, that sounds like a country song. or Doesn't it? <laughs> or a Dan Sean novel. Yeah. <laughs> at, the, at the heart of this novel, maybe despite your best effort sometimes, there's a it's a story about parental instinct. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I mean, underneath all of his burner phones and microdoses, does Will Bear discover that instinct, that love? 
I think that that was, to me, the thing that was most important about the book was that longing for kinship and that longing for connection is awakened in this guy. And, you know, I'm a sentimental sort of guy that really gets to me. And that was something that as the novel went on, I found the heart of the book was this awakening that I'd like to think is still possible at age 50 and still possible for anybody to have. Yeah. Dan Sean, his novel, Sleepwalk. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for listening. And again, we've got that survey for you that'll really help us understand how you all listen to NPR podcasts. It's easy breezy and it'd mean a lot if you filled it out. You can find it at npr.org slash podcast survey. All one word. Thanks. Thanks.